Welcome to the Cellar Dwellers Podcast. I'm Christian. I am Colby. <laughs> Colby sounding a little down for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of which might have to do with the movie that we just watched, but the main reason is... Uh, this is round two. Yeah, this is take two. We, uh, we just lost about uh, a 45-50 minute long conversation. We go and get ourselves uh, another mic. And we fuck it trying up. To be, we fuck it up immediately. Trying to be more professional, make the audio better for ourselves and all of you. But alas. It's okay. I think this conversation is still a good one, and I'm excited to talk about it again. Despite <laughs> my opinions on this movie. Yeah, so as mentioned last time, today we are doing 1997's Gummo, a film by uh, Harmony Korine. Auteur. Auteur. I was gonna say Enfant Terrible or whatever the. You're fr- you, we gotta work on your French. I can't. I'm, I'm, your, your I'm Puerto Rican, man. You do Puerto Rican accent. Ah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shakira. Shakira. I don't think she's Puerto Rican. No, that was me saying her name as a Puerto Rican, that as your, one that I am. You were doing a Wyclef Jean impersonation. <laughs> Who's not Puerto Rican and claiming it to be Puerto Rican? So Gummo from 1997 <laughs> is a uh, it's a pretty notorious movie. Yeah, I, I I would say some with reason, some is a little bit exaggerated uh, after experiencing this. Uh, context of when it came out is very important. True, that's fair. It, I can see this movie being fairly extreme when it came out. Harmony Korine is controversial in yeah. a lot of ways. I had only seen Spring Breakers leading up to this. Which you love? Uh, not exactly. I super didn't enjoy it. Oh, right. right, right, right. Uh, it just, it was, it, it, when I watched it, it felt very pretentious. I had known a little bit about Hungry Was it trashy it. enough? It, it wasn't quite trashy enough, which we'll, we'll get to my opinions on this movie a little bit uh, later, but this was my second experience watching him, and uh, they're almost polar opposite films in a lot of ways. Uh, would you classify Spring Breakers as a boring film? A little bit. Because you would definitely classify Gummo as a boring film. I would classify, classify Gummo as a, a very boring film. There's, there, that doesn't say anything to like the style of the movie, what Harmony Korine is trying to do. I think there's a lot of choices made. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, kind of... I appreciate a good narrative. I appreciate a good story. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is more of a collage, uh, which is how I've seen it referenced in a lot of uh, reviews and just kind of behind-the-scenes stuff about the movie. I'd say that's pretty accurate. It feels like a bunch of vin- like little vignettes mm-hmm. in this in this small town of Zinnia, Ohio. Yeah, where a tornado has struck down, and you don't ever actually see like rubble. Or like where the tornado hit. Yeah. It's I think it's really just to give context to the extreme poverty 
And uh, in the 70s, apparently, Zini, uh, Ohio did have a tornado, uh, but this movie has nothing to yeah, do with th- that. There's, there's no connection to this, thank God, this isn't based on a real Anything a real that we're aware of, at least. Um, well, it's also interesting, we found out that uh, most of this movie was shot in like the poorest parts of Nashville. Yeah. Uh, which is very surprising. You don't, you don't hear a lot of film stuff happening in, in Tennessee in the Nashville area. No, especially uh, in context of 90s Nashville versus 2020 Nashville. Absolutely. Like I, I currently have two siblings that live in Nashville, so I spend a good time, good bit of time there. I went to school there for a couple of years, and it does not feel like the same place yeah. at all. To this movie in any oh, yeah, really yeah. in any way, and this uh, this is really just honestly like a snapshot, a, uh, a fever dream of, of depravity and poverty and substance abuse, and it's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little a, a little so, bit of everything, but it's not animal mutilation. What did you say? What? What did you say? Animal mutilation. Animal. It honestly, I I heard you say anal both times. Animal. I uh, yep. I heard anal mutilation both times. It's not my fault what you hear, man. I, you, you hear what you want to hear, I guess. So the this, <laughs> thankfully, this movie doesn't have anal mutilation. It does have animal mutilation though, which <laughs> is, <laughs> it does, however, have animal mutilation. <laughs> Which uh, is probably its most notorious uh, 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 set piece. We're two, we're two, we're two cat owners. We're two cat owners. We love cats. We love animals. They just... It, the movie opens more or less on a scene of a cat being scruffed and drowned in a barrel of water. Uh, later in the movie, you see cats strung up and whipped to death. They get shot with BB guns and then sold to a butcher, the local butcher, which I assume... That he's using the little meats and making little cat meatballs. That sounds so disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound great. Uh, but I was wondering, like... Because cats don't have that much meat on them. You said that you would only eat it if you didn't know you were eating Yeah, somebody would have to lie to me yeah. in order for me to eat a cat meatball. I wouldn't... I, I don't... I wouldn't willingly try. Especially Party one... Green would. Especially one from the Xenia, Ohio of this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't eat a lot of food from. This, I wouldn't from eat this the Zinio, majority. Ohio. It's it's a little bit. Oh, I feel bad saying it, but it is a little bit dirty. It, a little bit dirty. It's a lot dirty. Yeah, let's talk about that. So the the landscape, the town that they live in, is almost a character in and of itself. Absolutely. Because the setting of this movie, we uh, uh, we discussed quite a bit how the tone of this is really reminiscent of uh, things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that this is remembered as being a very fucked up, controversial film. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is remembered as being one of the goriest movies ever made. In both cases, it's, nah. Its reputation outweighs the, the reality of, yeah. of how, how gory it is, how, how much we see. Yeah, Gummo, there's not a lot seen. Uh, there's a little bit of nudity, um, and it's kind of just weird. It's, it's, it's not nothing, sexy. It's nothing that made me feel like super uncomfortable which no. I'm always grateful for in a movie like this no uh, yeah the we'll, we'll get we'll get to certain aspects when we get to our turning points yeah. but uh, we should also say like there's there's not a lot of actual actors in this movie no there's it only like feels, three it feels very like pseudo documentarian in a lot of ways yeah. but Chloe Sevigny is in this movie she's the most widely known 
actress or yeah. actor in in the movie. Nobody else I really recognized or knew. Yeah, the only other one that I'm like kind of familiar with was Linda Manns, uh, who was from Days of Heaven, the Terrence Malick movie from the seventies. And the same year that this came out, uh, Gummo came out, she was in David Fincher's The Game. And she has a pretty significant role in that toward the end of the movie, if I remember correctly. It's so interesting, because these are... Polar. Imagine working with Harmony Korine and David Fincher in the same year. And David Fincher is notoriously, like, a difficult director. Like, a hundred takes director. I can imagine Harmony Korine, like, you accidentally, accidentally, like, fart in a scene, he's like... Sick, let's leave it. Oh, it's beautiful. He's like, oh, that I, I understand that. Good choice. I saw the dust move. Where, yeah, David Fincher would make you do five, 500 takes of the He'd same He'd fire show. you for farting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Gummo, uh, its reputation um, of being a really, really fucked up movie is, is deserved in parts, but it's mostly in tone, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. You're not seeing a lot. It's a lot of really odd characters. Just kind of telling their story a little bit. It's it, we really only get we, there are two essentially main characters: Solomon, who's the strange-looking kid on the cover yeah. of, of a lot of posters. Like pretty much any imagery you've seen of this movie, you've seen Solomon. But honestly, he's kind of got a Wolverine haircut a little bit. Online, like Tumblr world, like Bunny Boy was big. Interesting. See, yeah. I was not a Tumblr kid, so yeah. I didn't. I didn't Army, really Gummo that. was big on Tumblr. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, uh, but the other character is um, Tumblr. Tumblr, slightly older boy. T U M N. He's what seventeen? Yeah, he's seventeen. Uh, the main kid, I believe, I said was fifteen. Bunny boy is fourteen, and then the little girl that plays Chloe Sevigny's like young young sister, the non bleach wand one, is like so 10. ten. Yeah, there's there there are a lot. Main of, kids thirteen. There are a lot of kids in this movie, like true kids, and, and so that's it, the stuff that gets. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard to watch some of the stuff they go to. They, again, we don't see anything, and nothing happens to them. Yeah, like some stuffs like referred to, and stuff like happens around them, uh, but it's all. You just don't feel safe. Never. Yeah. Never. It's uh, it's just a very unsettling, uh, unsettling place to visit. Honestly, it, even though the camera's not judging them whatsoever, it's not saying these are bad people. It's just saying these are the people that live here. Exactly. Yeah. He is. You can tell that Harmony Korine is incredibly open-minded. Yeah. In yeah, yeah. in the people that he chooses to work with, his choices in storytelling his friends because a lot of the people in this are his friends he just he he really just brings on people he likes there's a scene uh where these two very buff skinhead dudes uh brothers start arguing over a pair of sneakers and it's kind of playful and then they just start full-on punching each other and it doesn't cut no they're like beating each other up but they're laughing it gets progressively like Harder, violent, like the those hits sound hard. I've got an old brother, and we punch each other in the arm. Not like that. But they're not each other's like that. chin. It looks so painful. Yeah, and then they just laugh it off. Dude's got a bloody lip, and, and then those we, were Harmony Crean's friends. And then we never see them again. Yep, and then they're gone. And th- that's what we mean when we say this is kind of a collage of of these town townspeople. Weirdos. Like yeah, they're not just even weirdos. They're just the people that live there. Yeah, it's and just matter of fact, we just get little scenes with them, and then. Occasionally, we'll go back to Solomon and Tumblr and whatever the kind sisters. of shenanigans they're doing. Yep. This Chloe Sevigny and her two sisters. Yeah, outside of Tumblr and Solomon, like the sisters are the only people that we kind of catch back up with. Yeah, um, everything else because we we see some things that happen to just them outside of uh, Solomon, Solomon and Tumblr, 
And then we see things uh, that just happened to the two boys as well. But anytime in those scenes, it's in context to those characters. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're in the scene, that's who we're following. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of that, though. There isn't a lot of that. There's, there's only, like, one real through line uh, that involves the rival uh, cat killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a sentence. Yeah. The the young boy, Jared, who is not... he's He puts broken glass in tuna fish or uh, sprinkles poison behind the dumpsters to kill his cats. He doesn't the, shoot them. Basically, we, we witnessed the beginnings of a small group of future serial killers. Yeah, it's pretty freaking... This... Just seeing how these people live is really disturbing. Uh, according to what I've been able to find the houses that were filmed in were left as is as is yeah uh, meaning that there is a scene where a a young child removes a picture frame and uh, 50 cockroaches Ugh. small cockroaches just scatter, just scatter <laughs> and apparently that was real uh, this house was infested with cockroaches and had 15 people living in it and the crew refused to work inside so Harmony got hazmat suits for them so they would work inside. I mean, that's looking out for his crew, right? <laughs> yeah, but then him being him, him and the, uh, the cinematographer, um, uh, can you pronounce his name for me, please? Jean Ives Escoffier. Him and the cinematographer, Jean Ives, uh, wore flip-flops and Speedos uh, to kind of be like, fuck you guys, we're not scared. So David Fincher would never have worn a speedo. David Fincher wouldn't uh, have shot in that condition. I don't believe. No, I, I, he's more of a professional. Yeah, I, I'd agree. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call anything about Harmony Korine professional. Uh, I would agree. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. We watched. Uh, if if you ever want to get a kind of glimpse of who Harmony Korine was at this time. He was on Letterman a bunch. Like three times. Yeah. Uh, and progressively, his drug addiction, you can see, has gotten worse. He, because he is a rambling mess. And you mentioned he was a heroin addict for a bit. He's been sober for 15 years I or so. I believe he's been sober for quite a while, or at least kicked the hard drugs. Um, I know he's he's healthier. Much, much healthier. Good for him. Uh, Cause, married cause two kids. Those are rough. Those are rough interviews. Yeah. It's it's funny to me how to discuss Gummo you have to talk about Harmony Korine though. Because he is like he, it would be nothing without him. He's a part of this this time frame, this snapshot, this scene of Werner Herzog type folks. Larry Clark, the guy who directed Kids for him, and later his script for Ken Park, where they're just trying to show the raw reality of what they grew up in. And a lot of times it can feel exploitative, it can feel uh, uh, trashy and and uninviting and scary and uncomfortable. But again, he's not judging. No. And he's shown it how it is. No, I agree. And I think uh, using the word trashy to describe this movie is, is accurate in a way. It's rude, but it's what it is. It's true. And, and Gummo does something that I think is hard for a lot of movies to do where it is both trashy and really pretentious. pretentious yeah. Uh, which, it's hard to be both. And this succeeds. Harmony Korine is very good at it. Yes. He does it for most of his movies. Yeah, and and for me, I didn't enjoy watching this movie. I think it was it was more boring for me. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of a lot of the acting. I think Chloe Sevigny is okay. You didn't find it nearly as funny as I do. No, it, it's 
I don't necessarily think it was that funny. There are moments that maybe the the scene where the dude is fighting a chair, pretty funny. Pretty funny. That's a skateboarder. That's a friend of Harmony Kareem. That is uh, Mark Gonzalez. And, and a guy who had just gotten out of jail apparently that day. <laughs> yeah, the big dude who uh, loses arm wrestling to the little person and gets mad and, and breaks, breaks and they start table. fighting <laughs> a, a chair and a table. And that that scene was pretty funny because they're just hammered and you know like it's just a bunch of drunk people having a really dumb good time. And there was no. Uh, we should say apparently seventy five percent is scripted of this movie. It feels so they say. It feels much less. Feels like so much less. It yeah. feels like a lot of this movie was was off the cuff. Like here's an outline, just start talking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's and that's what I mean when I say it doesn't feel like a lot is happening narrative wise. Mm-hmm. So for me, I like to have a, a good through line in a movie, even even a movie that's you know so so called extreme. Yeah, I wouldn't in the greater realm of uh, extreme cinema, this is not. Uh, this is much lower. Um, I would say... This is uh, more just independent. And this art- is this is a weird art house. Yes. Film. It's more art house than anything. Yeah. Um, it, the subject matter, like we've said, is it, it gets a little tough. Uh, we can segue into turning points. Because of the subject matter, there is a scene uh, <laughs> about 25-30 minutes into the movie where... Tumblr and Solomon go to this guy's house, the shirtless fuck's house, and he opens... This shirtless fuck. This shirtless fuck's house. And he he opens his door and immediately grabs his own nipple and just starts tugging the ever-loving shit out of it. And they don't say anything. They don't don't mention it. He's just wagging his nipple. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? What's up, guys? Just grabbing his own nipple. And and what's funny is... I've seen you do that a couple times as a reference. Well, in like college and shit, when we met, I definitely <laughs> was doing that because I thought I was my friends who liked this movie as well. We thought that was really funny. <laughs> like, what's up, guys? And like, shake your nip at each other. And I other. had not seen this movie clearly. Yeah, so it was just I, I was just being that dude. I did not understand. <laughs> yes. In that moment, I was just being that dude because what follows, I'm not. Uh, he, we very quickly find out that he is. Um, uh, <laughs> selling selling out his sister for sex Ugh. and uh, Tumblr goes in we don't see anything thankfully but the brother uh, does peek through the door to watch and begins to tug the ever loving shit out of his nipple are again kink shaming his nipple play that shirtless fuck Fair. we are, we are kink shaming we're kink shaming this he's a bad person but he's a bad person but then uh, Solomon goes in, and this is the t- real turning point for me. It was the first time I saw it, and it remains just a very heavy uh, piece of film to me, is him, uh, the reveal that the sister is also uh, disabled. Yeah, it's, it's not a great reveal by any means, uh, but it, it, the scene itself is weirdly positive in a way that you don't expect for a, a scene that has a lot of implications in it. Yeah, and I, I asked you um, after watching it because, and you had said no, that you didn't have this thought, but upon further reflection, it's an interesting point of, do you believe that Solomon ended up sleeping with her? Yeah, I, I had never thought about that because like a lot of scenes in this movie, we don't ever come back to it, so I didn't get the chance to really think about it. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think he did. It's Their conversation is nice. Yeah, it's very, it just seems very understanding, very kind very almost just childlike for both of them yeah i mean 
they're complimenting each other. They're they're just being sweet to each other. She kisses him on the cheek. Uh, they're hold, like just rubbing each other's hands. It feels like it shouldn't be in this movie. No, it feels it, it's like the only moment of like genuine kindness really in the movie. Um, not that there's a lot of outward nastiness. There there's there definitely is, um, but I would say there's more of a neutral tone more or less throughout the movie other than a tone of unease. Yes. Yeah. yeah a tone of like, here is this group of people, think about them whatever you will, but Harmony Corrine isn't going to say... He's, he's One way or the other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's my turning point early on is that realization of not only is he selling her for sex, but she, uh, she relies on him, it seems. Yeah, and uh, my turning point comes... Almost with just like twenty minutes left in the movie, about yeah, uh, and it's so different from many turning points I've had in that it's not like it's not really messed up. It more is just personally gross to me. So we see Solomon; he's taking a bath. Seems like a normal bath, washing off all the normal <laughs> stuff. It's not weird yet. The bath water I looks mean, pretty it's gross. gross. Like the bathroom's dirty and the bath water's like brown. It's it's a dirty yeah. bath for sure. And then his mom comes in and with like a TV tray, a TV tray of spaghetti. Yeah. And I'm not a spaghetti. And a glass of milk. And a glass of milk. And he starts eating it in, in the, the bath. In the bath. Ugh. I can't think of something grosser. And then it gets worse. <laughs> There's a doorknob. Uh, the, uh, the doorbell rings. And the mom goes answer. There are these two boys selling a chocolate crunch bar. Not a chocolate crunch bar. Nah, they I don't didn't think have, they could get the licensing. They didn't have the money for the licensing. Yeah. <laughs> and for a dollar. And so she buys one for Solomon. Brings it to him as he's in the bath still eating the spaghetti. He proceeds to immediately drop it in, in the water. Like Butterfingers, dude. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a better, yeah, better, better, yeah. better uh, candy. But... Maybe that's what it was. He dropped it immediately into the bath water. Nasty-ass, brown-ass bath. Pulls it up. Bites it. And, like... it's You can just tell it's, like, melty gross wet now chocolate and he has a mouthful of spaghetti with a mouthful of milk and he just shoves that chocolate bar in there and there's just liquid pouring off his chin into the bath water and then he eats more of the spaghetti it's the grossest thing we saw in this movie i saw in this movie yeah it's it i find it very very comical though that uh especially at this point of everything that we've watched you have definitely had a more verbal, visceral reaction to this than even, say, Visitor Q. Yeah, this one got me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> this scene alone. This, this Something about dropping a chocolate bar into dirty bathwater and then lighting it, it, and it's, like, melty and gross. With your plate of spaghetti. So, And I already don't like spaghetti that much. <laughs> it, it, it hit a chord in me. Yeah, well. It was not a good one. <laughs> Well, someone else uh, found this scene to be... A fellow pretentious. A fellow, a fellow pretentious connoisseur. Yes. Uh, found this scene to be uh, pretty fascinating. Uh, this man, Werner Herzog. The great. The great Werner Herzog. We're fans. We like Werner Herzog. Big, big fans of his documentaries. Uh, admittedly, I've not seen a lot of his uh, narrative films. No, I'm kind of scared. Uh, the, I mean, I've seen... Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, his Nick Cage movie. Oh, I didn't see that one, actually. Love it. It's weird. So he really enjoyed this movie. Specifically, my turning point scene. Specifically, the turning point scene. And he pointed something out that uh, I knew about because of how many times I'd seen this, and I'd read this quote previously, but Colby, did you even see what he was talking about before I pointed it out to you? Of course not. Nobody should have seen this. (laughs) Never would I have in a million years seen this. 
So in this scene where Solomon is taking a bath eating spaghetti, 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 dropping uh, chocolate bars in the water and scooping it out and eating it, uh, there is an out of focus piece of bacon scotch taped to the wall behind him. You did point it out, and it was still kind of blurry and easy hard. to yeah. see. Uh, so that's just a background detail. That's all it is. That's all it is. They never mention it. It has nothing to do with the film whatsoever. <laughs> Werner Herzog said, quote, When I saw a piece of fried bacon fixed to the bathroom wall in Gummo, it knocked me off my chair. Kareem's a very clear voice a generation of, in a generation of filmmakers that is taking a new position. It's not going to dominate the world cinema. But so what? It did not knock me out of my chair. No, I didn't notice it until like the fourth time after I read the quote. Yeah, it's... I, it makes me wonder how many... Uh, Pieces of bacon might be scotch taped to the wall in the background <laughs> throughout this the movie. movie. What if it's a cool Easter egg? I I, I wouldn't be surprised if no. No, you're good. I think I'm good for a bit. All right. I wouldn't guys. be surprised if there were more than one though. Well, now I just gotta know. I'm gonna go on the bacon hunt here soon. Harmony Korean, if you want to come on Sod Dwellers, we love to ask. <laughs> oh, you how we would many, absolutely. How, love. I would love to ask you how many pieces of bacon you have duct taped to your wall. Apparently, Sorry, uh, scotch tape. Uh, he did a an interview with Mark Marin, and I guess it was weird. Oh, you guess? Yeah, Marin didn't think it went well. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it. I need to track. You're that a big down. Marin guy, though. I'm a big Marin guy. And it was one of the live episodes from like earlier uh, in the podcast. It was like I believe it was recorded like at like some fest, like festival type thing. Okay. Where Spring Breakers was playing, and Marin was there doing WTF stuff, and I think stand up stuff. I don't know if I would love to have a conversation with Harmony Korine. I, I would, yeah, yeah. Well, I've Unless it's on the podcast. Come on the podcast. I've read his book. What's his book called again? A Crack Up at the Race Riots. <sighs> it's from 1998. It was one of the reasons he went on Letterman. Outside of He went on Letterman for kids, which he wrote when he was 19. Came back on for Gummo when he was around 21. And then, again, for Crack Up at the Race Riots. I flipped, when you showed me the book, I flipped through it a little bit, and I... Could immediately tell that I did not want to read it. Never, never have you seen something you wanted to read less. Is what I think you said. That is an exact <laughs> quote that I yeah. said, and I, I stand by it. And that I stand by. I stand by it fully. <laughs> uh, it is funny. You did mention also that when you were reading this, uh, you were reading it and taking public transit at the time. Correct. This was in college. And uh, you, <laughs> you brown bagged the book. <laughs> The, the title is uh, uh, pretty pronounced, and the cover uh, has some there's burning a, cross imagery. A cross maybe on fire. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I, ref, I refer to the cover as being a little too loud, so I needed to cover it up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite loud. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, because there's really not much. Well, I think even though I was not a fan of this movie, I there are a couple genres that I think... Yeah, could, that it could be compared to. Mm -hmm. I, I think first, it has kind of the you you called it a more bleak kind of nihilistic, gen, not more nihilistic. Yeah. Uh, John Waters kind of trashiness. Yeah, not not as not as uh, I don't know. There's there's a wholesomeness to a lot of John Waters' disgusting filth. And he we watch somebody eat shit off of a sidewalk. But uh, but everybody in there is laughing their ass. They're having off. a great time, and everyone's on board with what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Whereas Gummo, 
everyone's on board, but I don't think everyone's particularly enjoying themselves. No, just it doesn't living. seem like a fun, no, a fun shoot. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the other genre, which the other I one think I, is very interesting. The other one, me and you also enjoy a lot, which not a lot of people really are into. But it, it, we're actually quite we love this genre. It, this film reminds me a lot of the early mumblecore stuff, like the Puffy Chair, Puffy Chair, uh, Joe Swanberg, the Duplass Brothers, mm-hmm. all the people that we See, really love. Yeah, you're you're more of a Swanberg guy, right? I do love yeah. Joe Swanberg. Yeah. No, I have nothing against him, but I I got into that stuff with Duplass Brothers and. So. We are still huge fans yes. of, of the Duplass Brothers, but this this movie is is like if the Duplass Brothers directed did heroin and did a bunch of heroin. Yeah, if the Duplass Brothers grew up in a tornado ridden Zeno, Ohio, and got strung out on drugs, and were like, let's do a movie. It this would be Gummo. This would be Gummo. Which why is it called Gummo? I believe from what I've they, read, they they don't explain it. It doesn't come up in the movie. No, no, no. They don't even say it. It's a choice. Uh, it's a it's a uh, eye catching title. It is. I have wondered why it was called Gummo ever since I first heard about it, like years ago. And it's the fact that it never even comes up in the movie was to my frustrating. No, to my knowledge, it is due to uh, Korean's Harmony Korean's love of the Marx Brothers, uh, and it is the youngest, I believe, less least known Marx brother uh, who went by Gummo Marx. Karl Marx. Karl Marx is the least <laughs> known Marx brother. Well, least known because nobody knew he was related to them. We, did we just uncover something? He was their daddy. Actually. You heard it here first. Karl Marx was the Marx brother's daddy. We stand by it. <laughs> that I stand by. I, uh, one last cool fun fact I wanted to throw in there uh, from the casting information. Because as Colby said at the beginning of this, uh, a lot of these people were not actors. Uh, but the guy that plays Tumblr... I think it's pretty significant to note that he was spotted and uh, cast from him being on an episode of the Sally Jesse Raphael show called My Child Died from Sniffing Paint. Uh, he was on there because he was one of the children sniffing paint, not one of the children who died. He also huffs some glue in this movie. He, they so huff quite a bit of glue he's in this probably, movie. He probably uh, fell into character pretty well. Pretty easily, I think. Uh, in the show, they asked him. His name is Nick Sutton. Gummo is the only thing he has done. Uh, in the movie, or in the show, they asked him uh, where they think he'll be in a few years, and he responded with "probably dead." Harmony Kareen recalled, "Quote: I saw his face and thought that was the boy I dreamed of. That was my tumbler. There was a beauty about him." And I mean, with that unjudgmental eye, he he's he can't read his lines, but. He's, he is a presence. He's not an actor. No. And that is very... And the majority of people... I also read that within casting, uh, he said that he was not... Oh, it's right here. Uh, Harmony casts his actors not by how they read lines, but by the visual aura that they put off. I'm glad most cast- casting directors don't do that. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I love this eclectic cast of characters. The, the, uh, the, the deaf couple... Oh, fighting in the bowling alley. That was a really uh, interesting scene. Uh, it is... I... It makes me laugh every time, but I'm, it also makes me very uncomfortable. And you're like, I don't want to laugh at this. I Is it rude to laugh at this? Is this supposed to be funny? Wow, she seems really mad. Why does that guy's voice sound like that? I understand he's deaf, but hers doesn't sound like that. We have so, <laughs> so many questions. And, and like everything ever mentioned in this movie... 
it never comes back up. I do want to say the other one thing that hit me harder this time than it did the previous times was the scene where the the girls lose their cat foot foot and oh the sweet black cat the sweet black cat and they get picked up by that old man and he essentially begins to try to molest uh the middle sister and uh the part that really bothered me is when they're like telling him to fuck off and calling him a pervert they get out of they the all car. slap him a bunch they all slap him a bunch he just keeps yelling keeps repeating nothing new for trash like you and like that just made my skin crawl. I was like, that's evil, dude. It's, You're, fuck you, dude. It's gross, and it also sums up the movie pretty well. Yeah, nothing new for Trash Like, like That you. seems like, Harmony Korine wrote that line and was like, yeah. Th- this is, this is the, this is the, uh, this is the thesis, thesis of the, yeah, thesis of the piece. Yeah. It works. It makes sense. It works. Uh, I, I was not a fan of this movie experience. I think I would still watch his other movies. I was gonna say, would you, you'd need some time. You're not gonna rush out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to, to jump into his filmography, but I am interested enough. I think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even tell somebody not to watch this movie. I think it's, if you're interested in kind of the art house cinema world, especially of the 90s, which is a, a different, a different time. Yeah. Check it out. Like, you might enjoy it. You might find the experience more enjoyable than, than I did. It's in my top movies of all time. I really love it. Uh, and there are people who do. Um, it's definitely kind of with rose-colored glasses because I saw this senior year of high school, junior year of high school, I don't recall exactly. I believe it was senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, very perfect time for me to see something weird Absolutely. like this. It, I think, I'm not sure, but if I had seen this in high school, it might have put me on a different path. Yeah. I think I might have also still hated it back then. I, I don't, Hate is the wrong word. I think I might have... Also, I would not been into it back then. Yeah, you just this. You have no interest for this. This is not your speed. I appreciate stories and like. And you want a good narrative. I like dialogue. Yeah. I like really good dialogue, and and this one just does not have that side of the of the narrative for me. No, it looks awesome. I think the the grainy footage looks really good. Yeah, the cinematographer for this, I mean, is a dude who also did like Goodwill Hunting. Super for talented. Instance. He's yeah. done stuff. Absolutely. Um. Moving forward, if we if we dip our toes back into Korean, at least for the time being, it'll probably be uh, Kids, which he just wrote. And in terms of directorial uh, efforts, we would probably do Trash Humpers. I think I'm more interested in Trash Humpers because I think I won't like it. Kids, I'm, I think I will probably enjoy because it's a more straightforward. Trash Humpers is very, in my opinion, similar to Gummo's feel. It's shorter than Gummo. Um, is it over an hour? It's, I believe, 70 minutes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Brisk. Yeah, I believe it's 70 minutes. Uh, it is... Uh, it's weird, man. Uh, yeah, it's called Trash Humpers. What the fuck do you expect? Exactly. Yeah. And I... Saw that shit in theaters. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Plaza, baby! Thank you. We do... We love, love... We love our Atlanta art house theaters. Midtown Arts. The Plaza. The Terra. All great stuff. Videodrome. We love Videodrome. Much kisses, big love. Um, so we're pretty lucky, but I would not want to see Trash Hoppers in theaters. I can already tell. Yeah, well, uh, luckily for you... We're uh, going to take a break from the Korean you, stuff. You won't have to endure Harmony Korean anytime soon, and you get to pick the next movie. That's true, and for the, for the next week, uh, we're going to jump into a genre that we both really love honestly that uh, came to us early in our extreme movie watching days yeah we're gonna we're gonna watch a, a french horror kind of extreme extremity 
movie called uh, High Tension. Yep, from 2003, directed by Alexandra Aha. God, that's, it's, that's so early. Yeah, he... Uh, he went on. I mean, this is definitely what got him known because this this was a big splash. He's gone on to do some things, but he did the Hills Have Eyes remake, which I fucking love. Yeah, you're Hannah, ref- she, that movie fucked her up when she was younger. She will not watch it. I get that. Uh, he did Piranha 3D, which I love. I never saw Piranha 3D. It's so dumb and fun. He did Horns, which I think is very underrated. Horns is good. Um, he also did Crawl, which I did not like. I thought I was indifferent on Crawl. I the ending just made me so mad, and I just I didn't feel nothing during it. Which they showed everything in the trailer, dude. Yeah, I agree. But with high tension, we've both seen this movie, and we both enjoyed it. It's been probably ten years for me since I've it's seen it. It's probably been around that same nine or ten years for me as well, and it it really opened me up to the more gory movies. Absolutely. Like it was really one of the earliest. Like, oh, this is fucking gory. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get back to it. I, I, we both kind of agree the ending is a little bit controversial. I mean, it's I'm ex- known for its its splitting ending. I'm curious to see how it feels going back to it a second time. I'm not gonna make any judgments now on it. Mm-hmm. I hope it nope. I hope it is still enjoyable. But we'll go in fresh. I I always watched it, uh, and we'll be watching the non dubbed French. Language uh, unrated. Don't cut. do the dub for a movie like this. this I is, saw this the is, dubs, This isn't Rikio. Yeah. This isn't Anthropophagus. No, no. The first do, time I saw it, yeah. do the French. Uh, fucking Anthropophagus. Uh, I, it's streaming on Tubi as the Grim Reaper. What is Anthropophagus? It's called the Grim Reaper on Tubi. It's the exact same cover, but it's called the Grim Reaper. You're a big Tubi guy. Again. Uh, dude, Tubi. Shout out to Tubi. They have it's free, dude. Just with ads, they have so many crazy ass horror movies on there. Cool. Um. Uh, yeah, High Tension is, uh, we'll be watching the unrated cut, it's fucking gnarly, and I, I'm really looking forward to it, the ending never turned me away from it. No. I, I th- always still really liked it. I remember it being just kind of a blip of, oh, I wasn't a fan of that. But yeah, I, just overall, being like, come on. The movie experience I remember being very good, I think it'll be a fun rewatch for us, and, and yeah. it'll be kind of an introduction for the podcast into a genre that... We're excited to keep going with in the future because yeah. we love it. We love French new, extremity. Yeah, stuff. new French extremity is amazing. There's the 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 big ones that we know of were high tension martyrs inside frontiers. Um, uh, Cavalier, I believe, was another one that was on there. That's not even including the Michael Haneke stuff. That's not even. Yeah, like that's its own. That's its own beast entirely. There's a, there's a, France is full of artists in a lot of ways, yeah. and that includes. Uh, cinema, and I think we're both fans of, of, of French cinema in general. So. Yeah, and I think the French uh, extreme stuff definitely rivals uh, a lot of like the extreme Japanese and Korean. Absolutely, uh, in just gore alone. So I, uh, the storytelling is also pretty good. I, either way, we're we're super, super very excited. excited. We're just rambling because we haven't watched these movies in a minute, and we're really stoked. To exactly, get into them. exactly. So yeah, next week, high tension. It's gonna be so good. And be sure to uh, check us out on social media. We've, uh, we've got a Twitter up. You can find that at Dwellers Podcast, as well as on Instagram, where we are Cellar Dwellers Podcast. And uh, what is our email again, Colby, if you want to send us some suggestions? Uh, Cellar Dwellers Pod at Gmail. Uh, yeah, send us stuff. We want, we want suggestions. Message us on all these uh, social medias. We we want to hear from from people. We want to hear how you guys are liking it. We want to hear if uh, anything with the format can be mixed up a little bit. Just want to hear from you guys. If you got movie suggestions, if you guys want us to cover certain topics specifically, 
We'd love to hear it. Always open to ideas. We're open-minded, minus evil stuff. Yeah, and we'll tell you if it's evil. Yeah, and we'll judge you. Evil stuff is like is uh, like the definition of pornography. You'll know it when you see it. Yeah. And on that note, y'all, we're the Cellar Dwellers. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Bye.